Hello and welcome to episode 157 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley, as always, joined by my co-host, Bryson. Unfortunately, Jacob isn't with us today, but how are you, Bryson? Uh, I'm doing good, Mark. You know, not the best weekend in terms of outcomes for the Jays, but of course, um, they escape anything other than a, a series split, anything worse than that. So they end up splitting the series. It could have gone worse. Definitely could have gone better, and um, you know, right now we're looking, they're on the outside looking in of a wild card spot as we speak, and we're currently waiting for the results of Sunday Night Baseball between the Yankees and Red Sox, so we should have a clear understanding by the end of the night tonight uh, where they stand, and of course we're entering now, um, starting on Tuesday, the last homestand of the season, and basically the most important stretch of the season as well. Yeah, it's crunch time for the Blue Jays, and it almost looked very, very bad there in this series against the Twins, which of course we'll be talking about, but... If they had lost three of four, as you mentioned, I think it would have been over. I mentioned this to you guys. I think I tweeted it out that if they had lost the lead that they held today in the last game of that series when they were up 5-2 and uh, Jordan Romano was coming in and they had the guys on base and, you know, big hitters up in the Twins lineup, if they had blown that lead, the season would have been over. So it was the season was kind of hanging in the balance for a while there, and it will continue to hang in the balance, especially in this series against the Yankees, but... As far as things go right now, they're still holding on, and there's a couple positives from this series that we can take away that kind of indicate better times to come for the Blue Jays. There is, and um, like we said, it started off bad, and it was the first bad couple games, and yeah, I mean, if they lose this series, I do think there's a pretty good chance the season would have been over, and you know, pretty much, you know, the, the problem was with losing the first two games is that the final two games made it even more stressful because you knew uh, you had to win. You had no choice. So it starts off bad, um, you know, with the 7-2 loss in Game 1. And then, um, you know, it wasn't the greatest start for Steven Matz. He only lasts three innings. He just didn't seem to get comfortable. He was kind of battling everything. He was trying to throw everything he could. And uh, that didn't work out. And then the, the next night as well, 3-1, the Jays lose. Um, Jose Barrios does have a good start in his return to target field. However, the offense as well kind of went cold for those last two days. Um, and then kind of in Game 3, it started clicking for them. And then this is when the positives started happening. So 6-1 to one on uh, Game 3, Robbie Ray, obviously pushing for that Cy Young Award, comes out, allows one earned run over six innings, strikes out six, has a, a remarkable start, and pretty much in that situation, keeps the Blue Jays season alive from what you mentioned, how it was hanging in the balance there uh, for the second half of this series. And then, of course, today, um, in the, set, or the fourth game of the series, the Jays officially split the series with the win, and um, that officially does keep them alive as well. So another crucial win, you take it 5-2, back behind another solid start from Alec Manoa. So, you know, the starting pitching was kind of on and off, I guess, heading into this series and kind of at the end of the previous series. And I think near the second half of the series is when things started to turn around. And there was lots of highlights. So, of course, Manoa and Ray, pretty solid starts there from those two uh, for the second half of the series. And then my most notable one, it has to be George Springer. Um, you know, lots of concern over the last, uh, pretty much the entire month of what he's been dealing with, his injuries that we've discussed, and of course, kind of limiting him in the batter's box. His power was down. Um, he just was striking out a lot. Weak contact. His average was down. Everything was falling for him with his numbers. But I think in that third game, uh, obviously he hits the home run in game three. That was the start of something. I really do hope so. And I mean, he's back in center field as well. That helps out the lineup. We were talking about that the last episode and a few other ones, I guess, throughout the month saying him, you know, as an everyday DH was limiting the lineup and kind of just, you know, not making it as deep as it should have been. 
and that was the problem. And of course, lots of uh, conversations as we've also had. Should he be le- maybe should Charlie Montoya move him out of the leadoff spot? And um, luckily, and for what we believe, um, he stayed there. And that was something that I was pretty much saying the entire time as well. He needs the at bats. He's starting to feel better, and uh, it's only going to be a matter of time before he clicks. And I think in Game Four was pretty much his breakout game as well. His best game of the series. His best game in a long time. He goes three for four. Reaches base as well, though, with the walk and um, an RBI and a home run again. This could be a good spark be- uh, for this top of the lineup again because, you know, there's been too many situations over the last two weeks where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been hitting with two on and uh, nobody out. I'm sorry, two outs and nobody on is what I was saying. So two outs, nobody on, and it just feels like you're taking it away from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I know he didn't have the greatest series himself, um, but, you know, Springer and Simeon hitting at the top of the lineup right now, kind of regaining fire. That's really good news for this offense because basically the moral of this season, the, you know, the moral of this season for this team is they make everything more difficult for them than it should. And that's why, you know, all of a sudden they dropped the first two games in Minnesota and um, you're starting to look at that wildcard picture and, you know, it, it reached to as high as two games out. And that's when you're wondering, you know, these are games that you should be winning. And um, all of a sudden it, it got scary for a bit and, it, you know, it still is scary. They're definitely not out of the woods, but they're still alive in this race. And that's the problem with that. It's just they've been battling it, and um, they make things hard for themselves. And pretty much at the worst time of the season, the worst possible position um, of the schedule, the second, you know, last week of the season, they decide to do this. So a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a cold spell there, and a little bit of a scare for sure. Um, they regain fire, and you hope that these two games have definitely, you know, started something for the rest of the year for them to be consistently hitting, um, just hitting it well and getting on base. The starting pitching also turned itself around, so that's also a key positive for me. But now you have one more homestand, six games, three against the Yankees, three against the Orioles. These type of sluggish performances where the offense doesn't get going and you know starting pitchers don't pitch well and against teams that they should be, that, 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 that's got to stop. It, it's got to be past this by this point now, and I think it's too crucial for them to go through this you know, time out and time in, pretty or time in and time out for the rest of the way. So, I mean, this series against the Yankees is going to be huge, and we keep saying it. This is the biggest game of the season, biggest game of the season. Well, each week it gets even bigger, and really, no, nothing's going to top what we're about to go through this past weekend. But definitely a couple or a lot of positives, I guess, coming out of this series near the second half of the series, which is good news and kind of gives you some confidence heading into this last homestand against the Yankees starting on Tuesday night. Yeah, George Springer actually getting it going is. So, so huge for the Blue Jays. And, you know, we talked about it previously, but the question of whether to move him down from the leadoff spot was a legit question. And, you know, given his health and his issues with that, it was obviously something that had to be considered. But what we're seeing now and what we've seen in the past with him, you know, progressing, taking off that bulky knee brace and replacing it more with, you know, a knee sleeve that he can still have his uh, high socks on and then moving into center field, it indicates that he's healthy. And that's what matters. Like, even if his bat wasn't there in this series or the last two games of this series, it still wouldn't matter to me because we've seen that he is getting more healthy and it's going to come with time. That's the thing. It was always going to come with time if he was healthy. If he wasn't healthy, that's where the concern lies. But Now that he's healthy or relatively healthy, getting healthier, we're seeing what he can do with the bat. And once he finally gets uh, going, and thankfully, hopefully, what we saw in these last two games indicates that he's going to continue that in the last six games of the season. Because the Blue Jays need him. Like, the offense, not just in this series against the Twins, but you have 
the Rays especially, and we know like we can discredit the good pitching in the Rays series as all as we as much as we want because the offensive problems probably were due to how good the Rays are pitching wise. But um, you you can't discount the fact that the Blue Jays have not been hitting for a week, a week and a half now. And to see George Springer finally get going, we know what kind of spark plug he can be at the top of the lineup. It's obviously really encouraging that he is getting things going again. Um, a little bit of a bad thing from this series, though, um, was another outfielder, Lourdes Goriel Jr., kind of being sidelined with a freak injury. I don't think we normally see injuries in this manner, but he um, gets his fingers cut open by Randall Grishik, so there was a ball hit into the gap in left center field. Both Grishik and Guriel are running towards it. Grishik gets a bounce off the wall. Guriel ducks, as we often see for infielders or even outfielders when you're getting a ball with uh, someone else around you. He ducks, he puts his hand down, and um, Randall Grishik throws the ball into the infield, and when he's coming down, his foot lands on Lourdes Guriel Jr.'s hand. Guriel stays down. He eventually comes out of the game. He's obviously bleeding. We learn that he gets two stitches on his uh, middle finger. Um, but that's the extent of the injury. There's no structural damage. There's no um, you know, fractures or anything. It is just lacerations on his hand. And um, right now, obviously, his hand is sore. He's missing games as we speak because of that and because of the stitches there. But the Blue Jays hope didn't play yesterday, didn't play today. Um, did not play or is not going to play tomorrow, obviously, because of the off day. But they're hoping that on Tuesday in the first game of that series against New York, he can be back. And honestly, he needs to be back. We've talked about how good he is, but he adds so much depth to this lineup. And to have him penciled in every day in the sixth spot, in the seventh spot, and have him do what he's doing, which is basically the most productive run scoring uh, month of any Blue Jay ever, Almost. He almost has the most RBI of any Blue Jay ever in the month of September. Um, the Blue Jays need that. And it goes without saying that that's true. So um, it adds a lot to the lineup to have him there. And it takes a lot out of the lineup to not have him there. And when we talk about the offensive concerns on the Blue Jays and what they need to do over the next week, um, he's a big part of that. So you obviously need him back in Tuesday's, Tuesday's game. It's concerning. I'm a little bit concerned from this just because of the fact of what we've done with this year with the injury updates. I think Charlie Montoya was pretty transparent, though, after the game today when he kind of admitted to the media that the cut where he was or wherever Grichik stepped on his hand, there's a cut right where he grabs his bat. And, um, you know, that does, that doesn't sound too promising from my opinion, but you know, the way stitches are, you know, you have to let stitches sit so you don't obviously reopen the wound and who knows how long that takes. So it, I think it truly is a day-to-day situation, but you know, the problem is now is he's also going to be sitting. You don't want him to get cold. You don't want him to lose his rhythm because the rhythm he's been in, like you said, has been outstanding and pretty much out of this world from what we see, what we've seen over the last 30 days from pretty much you know, anyone on this team and just an updated for his numbers over the last 30 days, an OPS of 1,161, uh, batting 360, 440 on base percentage, 721 slugging percentage, seven home runs and 30 RBIs. And you were mentioning how the RBIs that he's put up pretty much this season alone and 30 within 30 days, uh, that's insane in terms of a stat like that for RBIs, regardless of how you know, much you take in RBIs um, now, nowadays, it's still remarkable of the numbers that he's been putting up. So, 
you know, he's in the sixth spot when healthy. When not healthy, you see a lot of Corey Dickerson. Randall Gritchett gets back in the lineup a lot. You see Gerard Dyson be coming into the game more often, too, during the game. You saw that today in the fourth game. So, you know, that obviously, the, all those guys are nowhere close to how Gurriel's performed. And um, that's why, you know, for Tuesday's game, you hope that he's ready to go. Um, I think they were mentioning as well, before he is even back in the field every day, I think he's going to be DHing first. So anything to get him back in the lineup at this point for the last stretch of the season is what you need. And, um, you know, it's just, what a freak injury. Because, like, I, I don't remember what, you know, just how bizarre are some injuries that we've witnessed over the years. I think there's been, you know, lots of incidents where it's just been a freak accident or a freak injury, but... I don't remember ever witnessing or seeing, you know, your own fielder stepping on someone's hand and uh, pretty much cutting it open and knocking him out of action. At first, when I thought originally when he was on the field lying down like that, I thought something happened with his leg or his knee where it buckled or, you know, his ankle rolled or something. So, I mean, I'd rather take that in terms of getting his hand stepped on than any of anything that I was kind of imagining at first. And I think everyone kind of you know, was holding their breath right when they saw him fall. And then right away when they were showing it on the replay, you see him kind of ducking under Randall Gritchick. So you're wondering, like, where did the injury come from? And then that last second, uh, right after Gritchick throws the ball, you see obviously his foot step on his hand, and that explains what happened. So, I mean, I don't remember if I've ever seen that before, but this this lineup, we know how health, when healthy, how deep it is. And especially for someone who's been at the the mid, middle to the, the bottom of uh, the order, mostly middle, of all the production he's done over the last 30 days. So in a time where the offense kind of woke up these last two games without uh, Gurriel, you know, it's, some, it's somebody that you need. And pretty much throughout this mini cold spell they had over the last week, um, if that's what you want to call it in the Rays series and the beginning of this twin series, he was still hitting the ball well. And um, he was still one of the people leading the way for this team. So it, it crucial, crucial that he's back at some point, hopefully in this Yankee series. But we really don't know, and um, anytime Charlie Montoya gives you an injury update, I think you got to take it with a grain of salt, unfortunately. But it just feels like when it comes to stitches, it makes sense that it's truly a, like a day-to-day thing. And really, I, I'm not sure what's going to be the can you know the key sign that he's ready to come back. Maybe they're just monitoring the cuts, but you know, a freak injury, and I don't remember ever seeing this happen before. But you know, all we can hope is that he's back as soon as possible. Yeah, if we're looking for comparisons, I think maybe the most accurate comparison I can think of is Troy Tulowitzki and Kevin Pillar in 2015 in September in New York. So kind of comparable situations with the race that the Blue Jays are in right now, but you have two guys. I think it was Pillar coming in on, it was a pop fly into center field, the very shallow center field. Tulo goes out, Pillar comes in and they collide and Tulo, I think he like fractured his collarbone or something. It was it was a shoulder blade, and he was playing with shoulder it almost blade. broken. Like I do, If you remember yeah. after the games in the 2015 ALDS when they were talking to the media, he had the, the entire arm wrapped around still. <laughs> and it was crazy to see how he just how that happened and how he came back so fast. But that definitely sounds painful, yeah. a broken shoulder blade. Yeah, so thankfully it's not that serious for the Blue Jays, and it's not as big a piece for the Blue Jays um, this season. Obviously, we know what Troy Tulowitzki added to the team in 2015. Um but yeah, that's what comes to mind. And that whole inning, that fifth inning on Friday night, uh, that was just the inning from hell. Um, or was it Thursday night that they all of that went wrong? I can't remember which game it was. Um, but it was just the inning from hell. It, it was the inning from hell. You have that happening, and then you have the Twins scoring a bunch of runs. You have Thomas Hatch 
coming out with an injury in seemingly five minutes right after Lourdes Goriel Jr. comes out. Like, it looked at that point when I was watching the game like the season was flashing before our eyes. Like, that's kind of the emotions that I was going through. A lot of, a lot of fans were going through at that moment. You lose a key run producer. Thomas Hatch doesn't really matter this te- to this team. He's not too important, but... It was just a sign of everything that was happening. You bring in Merriweather, you give up a home run, you lose the lead. It was just disaster after disaster after disaster. I don't think anything else could have gone wrong in that inning. And uh, honestly, after that moment, I think I was kind of losing hope in this season. But the Blue Jays, as we know, they won two more games in that series. And they're holding on by a thread. It was very similar to the inning in Seattle when George Springer got hurt. I mean, I had the exact, very similar feeling. And of course, this one kind of felt even worse because we knew how close they were to the wildcard spot. They were just in that wildcard spot. But that's the only similarity I can compare it to was kind of just watching them get destroyed by the Twins. And then I guess in the Seattle case, the Jays kind of blew the lead. But just watching one of your best players or key players get hurt like that, and all of a sudden, right after they leave, it only gets worse. That's pretty much the only thing I can compare it to, but it's it's definitely not a good feeling. So hopefully we don't have t- too many, or you know, hopefully that's done for the year in terms of that. But just scary moments, and at this late in the season, that's not what you want to see at all. Yeah, rough, rough, rough. Um, okay, let's look at where the Blue Jays are in the standings and what they need to do to get back into that wild card spot. Because we've been talking about how their position is not ideal; they're hanging on by a thread. Let's demonstrate that by looking at the schedule, looking at what they have to do over the next week against New York, against Baltimore, to get into that wildcard spot. So as we stand now, the Blue Jays are a game and a half back of both the Yankees and the Red Sox for the first wildcard spot, depending how you want to look at it, the second one. They're tied for the first wildcard spot. Um, At the end of today, no matter what happens in the game that's currently being played as part of Sunday Night Baseball between the Red Sox and Yankees, No matter what happens, the Blue Jays will find themselves a game back because one of those teams is going to lose. The Blue Jays are going to gain a half game on them. Um, If you're a Blue Jay fan, you got to hope it's the Yankees that lose. Like, I feel dirty rooting for the Red Sox, but you have to root for the Red Sox in this situation because if the Yankees lose, they're a game ahead of the Blue Jays heading into the series in Toronto against New York. And that's the situation you want. The Blue Jays hold their own fate in their hands. If it's the Red Sox, you have to rely on whoever they're playing. I don't know who they're facing, but you have to rely on them to get the job done. If the Yankees lose, if the Yankees are the team the Blue Jays are going to pick off, it's a lot easier because you control it. You go into those three games in Toronto. You got to take two of three, at least. If you take two of three, the Blue Jays and Yankees are tied heading into the final series of the season. At that point, it's anyone's game. Whoever wins their final series is going to win the wild card. The Blue Jays probably have to take two of three, which they should do. They're playing Baltimore. Um, And if they take two of three, as long as the Yankees don't sweep, they get that second wild card spot. Because the Blue Jays have the tiebreaker? No. Sorry. I'm thinking of home field advantage. They would have to play a game 163 if they tied with the Yankees. But that, at the very least, is what you have to do. So, you got to hope the Yankees have to lose today. The Blue Jays have to win their series against New York. And they have to win their series against Baltimore. That is the map the Blue Jays have laid out in front of them for the final week of the series, uh, of the season. Is it possible? Is it likely? Uh, Where's your head at in terms of the, the likelihood of this happening for the Blue Jays? 
I mean, I think a lot of it, like you mentioned, it's going to come down to tonight. I mean, the the Red Sox and Yankees currently playing, like you mentioned, and by the time people are listening to this, the game is going to be over. So we're, people are going to have an answer. But you know, the key part to this, and you know, there's scheduling. Uh, that's the biggest factor in this because first of all, there's two points to this: is that the Jays and Red Sox have been done with each other for a while now. So you know, the Jays have to rely on other teams to make ground up on the Red Sox. And with the Jays and the Yankees, we know that they have this crucial series coming up. So if the Jays enter their series one game back of the Yankees, it's a lot better of a situation when you're starting a series one back rather than starting a series two back. It creates more pressure and obviously it decreases the likelihood. However, too, the second part to this is the strength of schedule. If you look at the Red Sox schedule beyond today with the Yankees, they have a three-game series in Baltimore uh, starting Tuesday night. And then after that, on October 1st to 3rd, they end the season off in Washington. So how look look at that for the Red Sox. You're playing two teams below 500, well out of contention. Those are basically easy wins for you to have. Now for the Yankees, they have the Blue Jays, and to end off the season, they host the Rays for three games. So, I mean, I think we all know the difference in strength of schedule there, and that is why beyond tonight as well with this outcome, um, it's going to rely on the Yankees losing, and that's the, that's the bottom line of this. I mean, losing two games to the Twins obviously did not help. Um, and that's why the Jays have put their, themselves in a worse spot uh, than they could have been. Like, they could have been in a much better spot is what I'm saying. However, they're still well into this race. But that's that's the problem now. And it's just going to create more and more um, pressure for this team. And yeah, I mean, a series win over the Yankees, I think we, we know that's an automatic win. Or, an, sorry, an automatic lock. That's what they need. And, um, you know, the Yankees are starting to figure things out a little bit. You know, they're, they're playing a lot better than what the Jays saw a few weeks ago at Yankee Stadium. And the kind of, and the roles have kind of reversed. The Jays are 5-5 five and five now in their last 10. So the Jays have cooled off and the, the, uh, the Yankees have heated up. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. So this is going to be a diff- an interesting series. Um, a lot of this, you know, Rogers Center, we're going to talk about it in a bit, ex- expanded capacity. At home, like you have the advantage. On paper, this team is better than the Yankees. However... The Jays can't go out and play like they did these la- these first two games in Minnesota. Like the fact that they're doing this this late into the season, it has me a bit skeptical of what we've seen. And for the Yankees who have won in a Fenway so far and just taken two games just like that from the Red Sox, I mean they're 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 um, they're in it and they're they're no joke going down the rest of the way. So it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a lot harder than what we saw a couple weeks ago against the Yankees just because of the fact that they're playing well. And basically, the strength of schedule is the deciding factor this well. You know, if you're a Jays fan looking at the Red Sox, of course you're going to be tracking the Red Sox. Of course you want them to lose. But you can't obviously rely on the Orioles and the Nationals to take games from them. I mean, maybe at best the the, the Red Sox take two out of three from both. And maybe at worst, you know, and maybe at worst the Red Sox only lose one game in that final stretch. So all signs point to the Red Sox kind of being the favorites here for that first wildcard spot. I think that's safe to say because of the schedule. And that second wildcard spot's going to go down to the wire. I'm not saying the first wildcard spot's out of reach, because it's not. But based on the cards that lie ahead for this team, the Jays need to pretty much beat the Yankees and outperform the Yankees this past week. And they have a perfect opportunity to do so. Of course, you're going to have to rely on the Rays in that final weekend of the season. But, you know, you have your own opportunity for your own. Like, this is the Jays. It's in their hands, is what I'm saying. They, they're not scoreboard watching until that series against Tampa. They have their opportunity to beat the Yankees 2-3 out of three at home. Um, it's just, I feel like they have the advantage, but we don't know it, what's going to happen with this team. It's been very inconsistent. The first game alone for the Jays on Tuesday night with Hunjin Ryu expected to come off the IL and start 
right away. I mean, I've got pretty much nerves right th- right then and there to start off the series. We have no idea what Hunjin Ryu is going to bring coming off the aisle that starts. So that's pretty much what you want. You want the Yankees to lose. And uh, by the time you're hearing this, it's going to be over. So obviously it, there's an answer by now. But, you know, that that's pretty much the only way I look at it from, um, from that. I completely agree that it depends on the Yankees losing. Yeah, it's going to be a tightrope for them down the stretch. And I know this is going to be outdated, but... Um, Just to state the obvious, if the Yankees win, then the Blue Jays are two games back of them. They have to sweep the series against the New York Yankees to overtake them to get one game above them. And then we're talking about pretty much the same situation, a better situation than we would be if they... The Yankees lost today and the Blue Jays take two of three, but you got to make up that extra game somewhere. And if the Yankees win today, it becomes that much harder. There's that much more difference. And yeah, the, the Red Sox are pretty much gone in my mind. If they're playing the, the Orioles and the Nationals, they've got those games in the bag. They're going to win four of six, if not five of six, if not six of six. So the Red Sox are gone. The Red Sox are out of the radar They're out of the zone of the Blue Jays. You have to focus on the Yankees, and it's up to them. The fate is in their own hands, which is exactly the way you want it. It's just a little bit nerve-wracking. And personally, I got to say, like, I'm nervous as all else. I don't have a lot of faith in this team. And if there is one thing that does give me faith in these final six games, it's that as inconsistent as the Blue Jays have been at times, the Yankees are also incredibly inconsistent. As inconsistent as the Blue Jays have been, the Red Sox are also incredibly inconsistent. All three of these teams are just flashes of brilliance combined with flashes of idiocy, of pure, you know, incompetence. So um, that gives me faith that the Blue Jays right now are in one of those, you know, incompetent stretches, but maybe all signs pointing to them coming out of it with Springer getting going, as we've talked about. So um, that's what gives me faith in this situation. But like you said, Ryu, that's really nerve-wracking. Having him start in what is, up until this point, that game is going to be the most important game of the season. It's going to get overtaken by the next two games in that series, but when he starts, it's the most important game of the season. So I'm very nervous watching him go out there and knowing that the Blue Jays, with their backs against the wall, are going to be relying on a guy who... A, has a horrible ERA over his last eight, nine starts. B, with all that in mind, with his recent performance in mind, you're relying on a guy who hasn't pitched in 10 days, who's coming off the injured list. And, you know, as much as we can talk about it being a phantom IL stint, about him really just, you know, going back to the drawing board and working on things with Pete Walker, um, there's still concerns there. He hasn't pitched. He hasn't seen these new mechanics maybe that Pete Walker's worked in and other Pete Walker special. We haven't seen these against opponents. I don't want to be experimenting in a situation where the Blue Jays season is on the line. So um, it makes me very nervous. That said, what other options do the Blue Jays have? Who else can they go to? We saw how well Ross Stripling and Julian Merriweather worked out last time, so they obviously don't want to go to him. If you think about other long guys, Thomas Hatch, well, he's unavailable now. He's on the IL. You have very limited alternative options. So I'm going to be nervous as all else watching him go out onto the mound and having him have to pitch with his back against the wall. But it looks like that's pretty much the only option for the Blue Jays. You see, it has been so up and down with Ryu. We have discussed this all the time and we give our thoughts and opinions on this. I'm going to come out. I don't know if I've ever done this before and say, 
there I have no idea what's happening on Tuesday. There is zero direction for any fan. And if you're, you know, the only thing you can do is predict. And if you think you have any other intel on what's going to happen Tuesday, you're flat out guessing and crazy because we have seen Ryu good. We have seen Ryu bad. We've seen Ryu be good against good teams. We've seen him be bad against good teams. We've seen him been bad against bad teams. And we've seen him been good <laughs> against bad teams. We have seen all of the above from him this year. And pretty much to sum it up quickly, we've seen the Orioles hit him well, but we've seen Ryu dominate at Yankee Stadium. So that's pretty much what I was just saying there for the last 20 seconds, if you're kind of following along. And that's the opening, pretty much the opener right then and there. That's how you're starting things off. And based on that point, it could be one of the most important games of the series because let's just say, like you mentioned, what if the Red Sox take the game, or sorry, what if the Yankees win tonight against the Red Sox and the Jays have to sweep? Well, when you look on paper on Wednesday and Thursday, you have Jose Barrios on Wednesday um, in game two. Obviously, you're pretty happy with that, how it looks on paper, as much as you're going up against Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's been up and down as well. On Thursday, I think that's when you feel the most confident, when you have Corey Kluber and uh, faced off against Robbie Ray, but the problem is who knows how relevant that game is going to be depending on these first two games. And Jose Barrios is lined up now. Since he's pitching on Wednesday, I believe they're mentioning it today, that on a, a potential game 163, if the Jays have to play, Jose Barrios is now lined up for that, you know, obviously that possibility that we're going to have to play at 163. And yeah, uh, Robbie, uh... pardon? Yeah, yeah, it's Barrios and Robbie Ray lined up for 163 in the wild card. Exactly, and then that further leads Robbie Ray to be lined up for the wild card. So this is an interesting move um, for Hunjin Ryu to come off the IL. I think we were kind of discussing it last week. Of I don't think any of us said we were really comfortable with him pitching but in this series against the Yankees. But really now when you think of it, and when I kind of think about it again, if you send him out this weekend against the Orioles... Like what do you? You're not going to get much out of this. Like you, you really don't know. And then if that if that's the case, if you get into the playoffs, you're still wondering like, is Ryu going to be okay or not good? So this is a massive risk. Uh, I don't think there's there's really no other way to say it. And I completely agree with how you worded it. It's it's an experiment. Whether you're good with it or you're not good with it, I'm certainly not. I don't think anyone's really good with an experiment now. But it feels like they have no choice. But to do this, and when you think of it, you know the details of Ryu. He was brought here as an ace at the time. He's being paid like an ace, $80 million. You're taking your chance on him, and you're relying on him. And that's crazy to say after the up-and-down season we've had from him and the downfall that we've had over uh, with him over the last eight starts. So it's crazy that we're doing this. But, you know, this is the last stretch of the season. And, yeah, I mean, we say it every week, biggest game of the year, biggest game of the year. Nothing is going to beat this week. For the regular season, and that, and obviously the wild card's not a guarantee. That's obviously going to top what's going to happen this week if we get to that point. But this is it, and um, you're starting it off with a bang right away by sending out Ryu in Game One. So I can understand the thinking because of how they've lined up Barrios and Ray for the possibilities of Game One Sixty Three and a wild card game, and um, you're choosing to send out Hunjin Ryu here over Steven Matt. So it's a risk, and um, I mean. Again, I mean, if you think you have any idea what's coming on Tuesday, you're flat out lying to yourself. So we will see. And really, the only thing that we can do at this point is pray, you know, hope, believe. I'm not sure. But again, he's at home. He's going to have the crowd behind him, expanded capacity. You know, you feel like it's in his favor, but he's been a wild card this year for him. So you really don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday night. And another factor, as much as we don't know what these adjustments are, the Yankees also don't know what these adjustments are, so they're going to be facing someone who potentially has new mechanics, something new worked into his delivery that maybe that throws him off. Maybe it's a little bit of a surprise factor there. Who knows? Who knows? It's going to be a surprise factor for everyone watching that night, and it's 
like if the Blue Jays lose that game, it's not the end of their season. They still got two more games against the Yankees, but it just means they have to win two in a row to end off that series. They have to win those games then, because if you lose this series to New York, it's game over. So it's going to be very intense watching this series, and it's going to be uh, a lot of fun watching the Blue Jays down the stretch. Um, do we want to do predictions for this series against New York? Because honestly, like I said, I as nervous as I am, I think the Blue Jays are going to win two of three. I think at the end of this series, I'm holding on hope for the Red Sox tonight, but at the end of this series, I think the Blue Jays will be tied with the Yankees in the wild card standing. And it's going to be a wild last three days of the season. That's what I'm predicting for the Blue Jays because all signs point to them having new life. George Springer has new life. He's back in the lineup. He's back hitting. First two home runs since, I think it was September 11th, that doubleheader against Baltimore. Um, all signs point to that spark plug being lit again for the Blue Jays, and I think it's going to pay off. I think they're going to warm up and explode at just the right time, and they're going to pull it off and win this series against the Yankees. But it is certainly going to be a stressful series to watch. If you come out and win Tuesday night, you are in the driver's seat uh, to take two out of three. And even if they don't do that, I know I haven't been as confident with my predictions the last, I think, series or two. I'm with you. I, I think they're, I think they're taking two out of three. I mean, the, I, I said it about, I think, 20 minutes ago. On paper, this is a better team. You have the advantage. You're at home. It just, everything is, I feel like, in your favor. I think the pressure is obviously equal between each other. I don't feel, I feel like both teams have the same amount to win and same amount to lose. So you can't even say, you know, who's under more pressure. This is a flat out, uh, it's going to be a dogfight for three days. And I know you want to say a sweep, but you have to take into account that the Yankees are going to be ready to go as well. And, um, you know, I'd be crazy. I'm going to be, I'd be crazy to call a sweep, but I do think two out of three is going to happen. I think for sure the Thursday game, the Jays are going to take. The question is, do they take the Tuesday game or the Wednesday game? And I feel like, you know, it's hard to say because Tuesday you have Ryu, but Wednesday you're going up against Garrett Cole. And then, of course, you have Barrios pitching for you on Wednesday. So I think the Tuesday-Wednesday game is obviously a coin flip for me. I have no idea who's going to take those ones. But the Thursday game to end off this series, I'm confident that the Jays take that and head into the last week of the season, you know, playing the Orioles. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. But we're going to take that one series at a time. Two out of three is the guess. And, um, yeah, two out, of, two out of three. I mean, and you really have no choice at this point either. I'll tell you what. If the Blue Jays sweep this series, I will buy a Yankees hat just to burn it. I own on the a record. Yankees hat. <laughs> I own a Yankees hat, but only because it was a giveaway at a Yankees game I went to. And that game has special sentimental value to me, so I'm not going to burn that hat. But... I will buy a new Yankees hat and burn it if the Blue Jays sweep this series. Because I, I don't think they will. Like, if they do, we're going to be on cloud nine. And you'll be able to watch our reactions on Friday morning when we record the podcast. But um, I don't think they will. It's it's going to be very, very tough to do that for all the reasons we just laid out. But, hey, it's possible. It's baseball. Anything is possible. Um, especially as we get to some of the most exciting baseball we've watched in years in Toronto. Um Okay, anything else to add before we wrap it up? I guess the capacity increase, um, which we talked, yeah, we talked a little bit about the impact it has on the team and what it can do for the Blue Jays, but it's awesome to see. You never wanted the Blue Jays to get into a wild card situation, get into the postseason, potentially have home games in the postseason and have it be, you know, a 15,000 crowd 
it's just not fun. Like, it would not be fun to watch that game and watch the Blue Jays have to play in front of that. So um, it's it's wonderful to see the capacity increased, um, and uh, you got to be happy for the Blue Jays and looking forward to to a, a potential huge home crowd, and especially these final games against the Yankees in Baltimore. That crowd is going to be loud. It is going to be loud, and credit to the provincial government for helping out the Blue Jays here in this situation. Um, you know, obviously it can hold way more people, but I think we're going to take like 30,000. That's a pretty big jump from where they were at. It's, it's double what they've had right now. Everything else is going to be open. The 500s are going to be open. So every section will now be open. And, um, I'm expecting it to be electric even, even without, I feel like it's going to sound even closer now to a 60, like a full out Roger center. What we've seen before I'm going to be in the building on Wednesday. It will probably be, I would say other than the wildcard game, this is probably going to be the biggest game since the wild card game where I'm going to be heading in there nervous as heck. This is, this is it. Like I I'm prepared for it. I know after that, it's going to get even worse if they get to a potential wild card game. But since we're taking this one series at a time and nothing's really a given beyond this point, Wednesday for me um, is going to be the craziest, like the most nervous I've ever felt heading into uh, this, the Rogers center to watch this game. So everyone's going to be nervous throughout the entire series though, regardless of where you're watching, if you're there or not, and um, we all know that Jays fans here, we're, they're going to come out guns and blazing and they're going to help to do whatever they can to you know, help the Jays beat the Yankees here for two out of three. Worst case scenario, they cannot lose this series. Yeah, the season's over if they lose the series. Um, okay, well, we will wrap it up there. We're looking forward to this series. It's going to be must-watch TV in the middle of the week. So get those TVs ready. Get uh, you know all your snacks and all your beers and stuff ready to watch this game because it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but as we speak, also, the uh, Red Sox have scored a run. So it is 1-0 Boston now in the bottom of the fourth at at uh, Fenway Park. So there we go. Hopefully. Um, partway it. there. <laughs> the first of many games that the Blue Jays need to go their way. Um, okay, well, um, as always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section138pod. You can um, find us on social media at Section138Pod. And I know I mentioned our potential postseason schedule. As big as these games are over the next few days, we're probably going to end up doing some sort of live stream on our social media at some point, perhaps also on our YouTube account, which is just Section138, a Toronto Blue Jays podcast. So go subscribe, go follow all those accounts so you can stay up to date with everything we're doing. And we'll probably do a... Uh, spur of the moment uh live stream at some point um but you can also support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on apple Podcasts, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing so it's going to be an exciting week ahead of us we're looking forward to this week of blue jays baseball and as always we'll catch you next time